Welcome to Damn Fine Commentary, the internet's only Twin Peaks podcast with a real-life Dave and Lynch. In this series, we'll be reviewing and chatting about each of the 18 parts of Twin Peaks Season 3. So as they say in the Black Lodge... Well, here we are again. I'm Phil Willis. I'm Nav Prasad. I'm Dave Bluestein. And I am the embodiment of Audrey Horn disappointment. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> she appeared and it was shit. Oh. Oh. You know what? I kind of yeah. We'll talk about this. Yeah, we'll talk about later. Yeah. I'm Steve Lynch. I guess. I guess I'll answer by my real name. Oh. Um, yes. Finally, Audrey Horn. We get to see her, but uh, yeah, maybe not as we expected. Anyway, um, I'll tell you what we should do. Have a little listen to Dave's recap. Take it away, Dave. Welcome to Twin Peaks Part 12, the one with all the names, including Crystal, Charlie, Tina, Billy, Paul, Natalie, Abby, Clark, Mary, Angela, Trick, and a certain someone who rhymes with Schmordrishmorn. At the start of the episode, Gordon and Albert, or Gorbert, are drinking fine wine and giving Tammy a primer on the Blue Rose cases. They formally invite her on board as the newest member of the team, because so far she's been what exactly, Gordon? Decoration? Tammy's super proud, and expresses her gratitude by inhaling deeply and smiling. Then Diane arrives and they deputise her too, either to keep an eye on her or because Cole is turning blind as well as deaf. She points two fingers and says, let's rock, just to allay any suspicions we might have had that she's on team backwards talking little person. Later in the show, Cole will entertain a young woman who takes 10 minutes to leave the room, huffing wine, grinning like a loon and oing in an outrageous French accent. I half expected her to grow a couple of croissants and mine her way into a glass box. It's possible that there is a secret code in all of this, like with Lil the Dancer in Fire Walk With Me, but judging by the quality of Gordon Cole's dad jokes, he might just be going through an end-of-life crisis. Albert stares at him with a mixture of concern and pity and briefs him about Diane's latest conversation where she tells her mysterious text buddy that nobody's asked her about Vegas. Cole tells Albert that he's worried about him and massages his shoulder three times with his left hand. I don't know if any of that's important, but I don't want to have not mentioned it when we find out that was the key to the whole thing all along. Meanwhile, in Twin Peaks, Jerry's finally out of the woods, although he isn't really out of the woods, and Sarah Palmer is in a supermarket buying vodka and cigarettes and freaking out over the turkey jerky. She wants to check out Chicken Bag Boy that men are coming and that they have to watch out. But she doesn't feel good. She also tells herself to stop doing this and get the goddamn khaki. Okay. Hawk later goes to visit her and asks if she's okay. And despite the banging in the kitchen, she says it's all fine. Oh, she's so creepy. Miriam is still in hospital. So Frank goes to tell Ben Horn about it, seeing it was his grandson who put her there. Oh, and he also ran over that kid. So sorry, Ben. Ben gives Frank Cooper's old room key for Harry. Then he leaves and Ben tells Beverly to pay for all of Miriam's expenses. He also waxes lyrical about dads and how much he loved his bike and how poor Richard never had a dad. And Beverly cries and cries and cries because old Ben Horn is just so goddamn sensitive. Over at the Fat Trout trailer park, Carl warns one of his residents, Chris Cole, that he shouldn't sell his blood for cash. Clearly Carl has never had to rent a home in Sydney. And in Vegas, Sonny Jim and Dougie play catch or bounce the ball off Dougie Coop's head. It's a big episode for dads all round. Also in this episode, Chantal and Hutch kill the warden in front of his little son and then go for Wendy Burgers. Dr. Amp keeps preaching the double coat shiny gold shit shovel while Nadine watches at work, silent as a drape. And Audrey Horn, she's back and married to Charlie, sleeping with Billy and avoiding Tina, not to mention Paul. Who are these people? Charlie speaks to Tina about where Billy might be, but won't tell Audrey what she said. And Diane plugs those coordinates she memorised into a GPS to find that lead to a mountain just north of Twin Peaks. Fancy that. Then to the Bang Bang Bar and the return of the Chromatics as two women, Natalie and Abby, talk about Angela, Clark and Mary. And Trick arrives. There's a whole lot of new names in this episode, you guys. And that's part 12. There we are. All caught up. So we are. Yeah. Um, can we start with the title of the episode? Because oh, I, yeah, like, the title excited the fuck out of every single oh, yeah. thing. <laughs> like, let's rock. Oh, it's all happening. It's all happening. Oh, yeah. Wait, I love so. I love well, your, I know, it's false advertising totally. Yeah. I love your character arc through this, uh, <laughs> this recap series because like so many people started with like, oh, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Oh, we're hanging a bit. No, we're really. 
whereas you've gone the other way. You've gone like, no, guys, let's stay the yeah. course. There's so, <laughs> we are, so fucking cool. So fucking, <laughs> what's this? Let's rock bullshit. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work on a couple of levels. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but there's there is a uh, not so much a theory theory because it's too much crazy. But there is a point of view that uh, David Lynch has engaged in some pretty high-quality trolling throughout the series. <laughs> oh, this I, is one of those. Like, I have felt that passionately yeah. from the yeah. beginning. Like, I mean, I felt that way about Michael Cera's character. But, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I loved it, but at the same time, it did feel like playing with expectations and, and making fun of expectations to, to undermine them and create something else. Yeah. Which, which is nice, I think, when you think about dreams and his, like, his use of dream logic, that... That it does combine expectation and stuff that yeah, you absolutely. have seen and experienced, but also in a way that you didn't experience it, expect it. Yeah, mm. but I also think it does the exact opposite. What where the wheels fell off in series two is that everything that was interesting had already happened, and there was no reason to keep watching, and so people uh, fell off. Now. It's the opposite. Like, there's plenty of reason to keep watching because we still haven't seen the stuff that we want to see yet. So that's yeah, yeah. I like. I still, you know, count down the hours to each. Uh, well, it's Monday in Australia where we uh, get to see the episode. Sunday night in the United States. Well, I still count down the hours, and you know, when when's the soonest time that I can actually see this thing because I want to see it so much. Yeah. So. I know. But yeah, to yeah. Lynch's point, though, like I mean, this episode really did suffer from a little bit of overselling. Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah, let's let's run. <laughs> <laughs> it's promising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To quote Top Gun, your ego is writing checks. Your body can't cash. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I do. Ha- I do think that I've settled into a kind of. I've, I've entered into that uh, David Lynch meditative headspace <laughs> where I just let the episodes wash over me. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like. I've never seen a show that is this binge watchable and this deliberately stretched out. For yeah. the same reason at the same time. Yes, yeah. I have to say there is um, there is no other show either on right now or that I've ever seen, and you know that I'm including stuff that I love passionately, like The Wire. Mm. Uh, in that, where uh, at the my favourite part of the week at the moment is the moment just after the credits fade out, because in that quarter of a second of black screen. This is the only show that I have no idea what is coming for the next hour. Yes, and absolutely. In shows like Game of Thrones, it's something where you there's a lot of really great quality stuff. You know where the beats are probably going to be yeah. in the upcoming episode, yeah. even yeah. if you don't know the specifics. This the, one, the, the promises week to week, you've got no idea. Yeah. The promises yeah. and the payoffs are clear, but in this one, it's yeah. Well, yeah. I think the other thing also is that there are so many different character threads with this particular series. Um, some of whom we're familiar with, some of whom we've only got to meet the first time. Some of whom we haven't. We haven't even met. Right. As, as, as you said in your recap, Dad. And I think for the first time, you know, the internet's sort of been going on and on about whether these scenes are being run sequentially or not. I think with this part is the first time that we really get a, a strong sense that scenes are not being shown to us in the way that they have happened. I agree. I agree. It's like they've hinted at it in yep. previous ones. And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe you're reading too much into it. But yep. in terms of hints, their hints are getting very, very strong. Exactly. So on that note, why don't we, let's rock, huh? Well, let's rock. Yeah. What do we all <laughs> think all of, um, without. yeah, with our <laughs> gun fingers. Yeah. Um, what do we think of uh, Tammy Preston now? She's part of the, part of the Blue Rose team, part of. Oh, she still yes. shoots me. Yeah. She still I, shoots me. Yeah. As, you know, as I like, said, I mean, like, you know, like she's. She's been recruited into the Blue Rose Task Force. She then has to repeat back, you're recruiting me into the Blue Rose Task Force. (laughs) Holy fuck, man. She doesn't doesn't do that any less than anyone else in this entire series, to be fair. Yeah, but she's meant to be, like, top of her class at MIT and, like, a quantico. Like, like, can we just address the fact that they were observing her in high school? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. 
Gordon's a bit creepy, but like total, yeah, that's a total yeah, yeah. Uncle Pervy moment. You and your gym gear was, uh, was you were on our list from that moment. Oh, no, I just went, Tammy, um, again. It's almost like the, the, the character is, I, I, I give the character like, Seven out of ten, or six and a half oh, out of right, ten. Pretty generous. Um, oh, yeah. Pretty generous, but I give the actress three out of ten, yeah. and that brings I'm it. With you. It's with it feels. I'm not sure. I might have said this in a previous episode, but I've thought it anyway. Um, this uh, this feels to me like David Lynch's Godfather Three, where he's cast his daughter in a pivotal. Totally. Yes. It's like um, you know, co- sorry, Coppola uh, cast his daughter. Yeah. And. He'd always gone by the gut in terms of his casting and it paid off and paid off and paid off and then the law of averages caught up with him yes. like a motherfucker. Well, yeah. well, what I we feel like David Lynch has had that Exactly. And what we know is that Sophia Coppola went on to have other skills including yeah, that's being, right. being an amazing film director. Thank God Christabel can sing because yes. like, she was, she, she, acting is not her it's, it's interesting because I've been rereading Secret History. Or I say rereading. I actually haven't finished it yet. So uh, <laughs> I kind of rereading, rereading passages uh, oh, yeah. and then and, and it's... There is something about that book that is both incredibly satisfying in terms of what's happening in the series and also yeah. really frustrating in the way that I totally Tammy agree. Preston's a really clear character uh, in terms of her analysis of what's going on. But Major Briggs is like, turns into this gossipy, like, and this person was sleeping with that person. And, oh, right, this is what's going down. Which is kind of relevant to the, the story, particularly when you're recapping, say, you know, Josie and... And Hank and you know and, and Harry Truman, yeah, but at yeah. the same time, it does feel really kind of weird and high schooly in a way that Tammy does in this series and um, not in the book. Phil, uh, let's uh, for in post production, yeah. let's put in a spoiler warning for both the identity of TP exactly. and the identity of the archivist that come out at the very end of the book. Or oh, I, could, yeah. I could rephrase that, <laughs> but I think it's too late. I, I don't think, think it's. I don't think it's. A, I don't think that's particularly a spoiler. It's though. not a very. And we, we talked a, about that on the podcast before, haven't we? Yeah. It's, yeah, we have. Wait, it's, TP is Terry Preston. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, it's it's not a very uh, shattering spoiler. That's for no. sure. But actually, it's really interesting that you mentioned the secret history, and I, I I've been reading it quite a bit this week as well. And um, there's a real good connection between this part of part twelve and the secret history, where Albert talks about the formation of the, yes. the Blue mm. Rose Task Force, the end of the Blue Book Task Force. And we actually get some sense of timelines as well. So Blue Book closed in 1970, which seems to tie up to the Secret History. A few years later, Blue Rose is formed. Secret History would probably suggest that maybe it's, we're talking about sort of a 10-year kind of difference. Um, and then, of course, Cole is the first person who's recruited or who's hired to head up the, the task force. Incidentally, I think he was actually recruited by Doug Milford. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. If and it has links to Nixon. It does have links so to Nixon, yes. Here's the question. Where in that timeline is Firewalk With Me? Because I, the whole thing about Lil with the Blue Rose, like this being a Blue Rose case, and I, I realise obviously that, you know, creative projects develop and change and there's a lot of retconning going on. Yeah. But... <clears throat> the idea that they are a Blue Rose task force and they have to point out this is a Blue Rose case. Like, like everything yeah. they do every day is is kind of a bit, of, a bit weird. Well, well, I, I feel like Chet Desmond, like, or all of them were regular FBI agents. Right. And Cole would give them, you know, here's a new case, here's a new case. But this is a Blue Rose See, this is really interesting, right? Because um, Albert says that Cole started the, t- the task force. He soon recruited um, Philip Jeffries. Now, Secret History says to us that uh, Cole and Jeffries were at 
the at Quantico together, and then a few years. And, and I then, think that still that still works though. No, no I'm still going. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Bear with me. Um, <laughs> but then they recruited Chet and Dale shortly thereafter. Mm. Right. So I agree with you insofar as why on earth would you have to explain this is a Blue Rose case to Chet Desmond, who meant to it was meant to be part of the Blue Rose task force. But I can totally understand why you'd have to explain to Sam or whatever yeah, yeah. Sutherland's character. Yeah. yeah. Although I do, I, um, I like the idea that this is a task force, but they have other work as well. Yeah. So that kind yeah. of makes sense. So like he might he might have called into Oregon um, yeah, and said this is this is a, a yellow crumpet t- case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh my God. That's his code for an entirely right. regular time. Yes. I've got the wrong props. I mean, that firewalk with me saying I rewatched it again the other night, and it's like. It is like n- the only bit of it that is not completely useless information is the blue rose, and that's the bit that Chet refuses to tell Sam. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm never yeah, going to tell what yeah, the blue rose. Yeah, is. Right. But that bit on the side, like that was, it was very important that he never say out loud that you're going to have trouble with the police. Why is <laughs> <laughs> that like, Why do you need to fly in a lady in a bad wig and a weird dress totally, to do a dance to take that? It's totally well, like Hawk telling Frank uh, Frank Trimmer that you don't want to know about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> want to know. Hey, speaking of um, dancing lils and stuff like that, are we to read that um, that Gordon Cole's French date is also doing that same kind of dance? Well, that, yeah. well, we're yeah. all taking that. I've taken that view. I think yeah. you yeah. have yeah. as well. And don't, I, 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 I have. Because the, the alternative is just so lame. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, a, a, you know, a minute and a half of screen time of... Uh, yeah. It's, it's not it's not up there with dudes sweeping the floor of the roadhouse. I think it's, it's probably about the same in duration, though. It's yeah, like that two-minute, yeah. 12 seconds that we've talked about in previous But I think podcasts. also because the dudes sweeping the roadhouse had such a singular focus, whereas this is like, it's such a bizarre, cartoony... I mean, like I said, oh, oh, oh like this is... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I've got to swell the wine every one time just to show how French I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and she looked, she just had that real little look. She yeah, that, with that like, yeah. bizarre grin yeah. that she yeah. had the whole yeah, time. Yeah, everything was very exaggerated yeah. to the hair, to the dress, to the smile, to obviously her physical movements as she high-kicks yeah. her Christian Louboutin shoes. And this, the thing that really, uh, that I'd forgotten about that really made that feel more so for me, I think I must have read it somewhere online, but that, uh, that they're checking for, for bugs yeah. at the beginning, yeah. which I'd forgotten about. Yes, well, that's right. So, you know, maybe two or three parts ago, Gordon is drinking a fine Bordeaux again, um, and he had a little red box next to him. We've got to be running out of Bordeaux in Bordeaux. Well, now I'm trying to think that fine Bordeaux is actually a euphemism for his... Yeah, well, right. Because when, uh, when Albert, in part six, I think it is, when Albert is going to see Diane for the first time, and he runs into her in a bar, he's got Gordon on speakerphone, and Gordon's got a girl in the background then. And it's like something like, yeah. oh, Gordon. It's like, I'll be right with you, honey, with that fine Bordeaux. So yeah. he's, uh, yeah. yeah, Bordeaux yeah, right. is his go-to move for the ladies. Yeah, I, right. I, do love, I do love the way, though, that, that his code still involves being creepy. Like, it, yes. it doesn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> like, doesn't there are plenty of other kinds of codes you could use. I know. Sorry. No, go, Steve, because I was going to move on to Diane. Oh, I was just, um, so... I know we're out of order here, but talking about that, the pseudo Lil scene, the other thing that gave the real Lil tip off for me was talking about she's here, she's visiting a friend of her mother whose daughter has gone missing. Mm. Um, Because that really has a callback to she's my sister's daughter's... Yeah. She's, my, she's my sister's girl. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. Yeah. And it also is a great opportunity to drop one of the worst dad jokes in history, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it will turn up eventually. <laughs> one of, the, one of the, the worst dad jokes or one of the best dad jokes? Oh, I'll leave that okay. to you. Yes. But, but the other, this initial scene is also notable because um, Diane is being brought back into the FBI on a temporary basis. She's being deputised. Yeah. Um, 
And mm. Diane is, uh, you know, she's in true Diane form, wants to know what's in it for her and apparently other than some cash and the satisfaction of founding out what happened to her friend, Coop. Yeah, but so, uh, do you feel like when we've seen so many clues that Diane has got another, at best, another agenda, mm. at worst is out and out on the lodge side of things and clearly Gordon and Albert are onto it the, 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 mm. um, and yet... So how do you see the her being brought in? Because I think this is a keep your friends close and your enemies close. I was, it's exactly what I was going to say. I think that you you want them. What do they say? You want them in, inside the tent pissing out, not outside the tent <laughs> pissing exactly in. Exactly right. I'm starting to think that Diane has been tricked by bad coop into thinking that things are actually the other way around. So that she's uh, she's doing her agenda is actually because she doesn't trust. Cole anymore, oh, yeah, rather yeah, than yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be something that once we've seen it all, it's really going to reward rewatching because yeah. there are so many bits where you can't remember exactly which part and exactly what was said, mm. but you just know that this feels like a different motivation to what they had three or four yeah. episodes yeah. ago. Yeah. And yeah. like going back to that first meeting with Cooper when she saw him in the so bad Cooper when she saw him in the jail, Absolutely. we're like, wait, is she? She seems to be like, was there a sexual assault or was it? Because that doesn't seem to gel with someone who's then who's who's helping him, and she came straight out of that jail cell and said, "That is not Cooper. Yeah, that's there's right. Something there, wrong with him. Yeah, yeah, it feels, um, it feels like, for whatever reason, she believes her Cooper is pretending to be bad Cooper mm. in order to investigate something important. Oh yeah, right. So she still oh, thinks that maybe he's got mm. good motives, even if he's been a bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about the idea that Philip Jeffries? is impersonating Good Cooper and so she's in contact with him via text message thinking that she's helping the real Cooper who's hiding out somewhere and so right so, so wow I hadn't even thought about that yeah right I just thought of it now <laughs> oh my god yeah. you heard it here first listeners put that on Reddit dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so, I mean, the other anti... I mean, we talked about Let's Rock Possibly being one of the most oversold titles of this season. Diane's delivery of Let's Rock Possibly also was highly oversold. <laughs> you can't I see me now doing the... Uh, we're we doing the, the finger gun thing, the two yeah. finger... And I love Laura... Finger guns. We've had finger guns. Oh, we have had finger guns before. That's right, we have had finger guns. I don't know how I feel about that yet either because that felt like that's code as well. Like, yeah. That was yeah. And Lynch very deliberately put in... Uh, uh, just at that exact moment, it was a Black Lodge sting. Like the music uh, that played underneath her doing that movement at oh, right. Rock just uh, had a little bit of, was, was a Black Lodge. Yeah, yeah and interestingly, um, of course, because, um, you know, when we first saw Let's, or heard Let's Rock from A Man From Another Place, there's a, a click of the fingers after that. Mm. Uh, in this incarnation, Cole wraps the table with his knuckles. Yeah, so there's, mm. yeah, there's, there's the strong potential for code here. Something else that I saw in the second time watching it, and I think I'm just seeing things, but it's a it's an interesting little trick of the of the eye if it is. Um, both both Gordon and Albert are wearing little American flag badges, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And then underneath is something that in the the light, the way the light hits Albert's badge, it makes it clear that it's like a little little FBI mm. thing. Yep, yep. The way that the light hits. Gordon's badge from the other, on the other side of the table, it looks a lot like the alcave symbol. Oh, oh. right. Yeah. That was just what I took from it. I'll have to go back and have a look at that. Me too. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't, um, didn't Cooper used to wear some sort of little lapel pin or something like that in maybe in the original yeah, series? Okay. Yeah, he did. 
remember. I can't remember what it was, though. I think it was just an FBI pin. I don't think yeah. there was anything. <laughs> but hurrah! Your card. Yeah, Who wrote right. Task Force? Hurrah! Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm treasurer. I'm treasurer of the Blue Rose Task Force, and I'm the secretary. I'm secretary, and <laughs> oh. um, but hurrah! Hurrah! Jerry is finally out of the woods. Yes, yeah. like yes. literally, and. I think the the uh, I think Jerry's arc is going to be as excruciating and pieced out as Cooper's <laughs> yeah. final episode. Oh, come down! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but but I'm still I'm still convinced that that was you know possibly the arm speaking through his foot. Sarah Palmer has a nice little freak out in the oh, grocery no, store. God, how oh. much do I love Grace Zabriskie in She's this amazing. series? Yeah, just incredible. Um, talk about it. Well, I love that she's done her weekly grocery shopping, which involves uh, like four <laughs> bottles of vodka and a pack Great. of smokes. <laughs> That's all you need. You can live on that, and, can't you? And exactly. absolutely no spray and wipe. Like, no, no Windex, no, nothing to clean no. that coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> and, I think, and I think a box of crackers because, you know, a girl's got to eat. Yeah, That's yeah, right. right. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's potatoes in vodka. <laughs> It's <laughs> a balanced diet. Oh, oh that, man. Um, I've never, but she's definitely not getting any jerky, though. That's she's right. Really she doesn't want turkey jerky. doesn't want the no. big jerky. Yeah. So this, this week, or, I had uh, I did a reverse of my usual thing this week. Instead of going to the internet and getting theories to come back to you guys, uh, I watched that episode and then rewatched some other old apps and I was like fuck it I've got my own theory and I gave that to the internet oh wow well, did you what's yes. okay um, but ladies and gentlemen buckle up theory coming your way original theory so when she sees the turkey jer- she sees the jerky uh, and some people have the view that what set her off is the idea that it was smoked um, which sort of makes sense yeah. she says it yeah, yeah. smoked and yeah. that yeah. sets her off yeah. like that's got links to burning maybe the woodsman all that sort yeah, of yeah. stuff um, what I felt was that she was very set off by the fact that it was the turkey jerky, like you guys said. I d- yeah, I agree. In Fire Walk With Me, when uh, at the very beginning at, in high school, when James is um, with Laura, she pulls away from him and, say, and she says to James Hurley, quit trying to hold on so tight, I'm gone, long gone, like a turkey in the corn. Yeah, she oh, does. Right. Turkey in the corn. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, what what I really wondered about that was, well, that's a really strange saying for an eighteen year old to to repeat. Maybe that's something that her father said around yeah. the house, yeah. and of course he was infected by, by Bob. So maybe there's some flashback there and some trigger for Sarah Palmer as well. Yeah. yeah. So I had put those two things together, but I couldn't actually come up with a reason for like. It was notable, but I couldn't work out the significance Mine, if, there, yeah. if there is any of it. I, for me, yeah, because at the time, like just, and this is obviously just on the just on the surface level, which I think one of the things is lovely about Twin Peaks is it does use that dream logic where things are meaningful on a surface or emotional level as yeah, well as absolutely. a symbolic level. It's just the the change in difference, like that 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 sense that her her regular space had been disrupted. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and that's and and that feeling which you really get from her and infects you mm. as an audience member. I think, yeah, mm. because she is she uh, because of the tragedies that has happened to Sarah Palmer, she wants order and structure and repetition uh, in her in her life and 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 those cycles and habits. The, the most of, of the things that have changed in her life have been terrible things. So yeah. any change represents something horrible. Absolutely, uh, she may have even been triggered just by the blonde. Young um, person behind the cash register. It did look a little bit like, like, yeah, like Laura Palmer. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, but, but one way or the other, like I mean, if you had any doubt whatsoever that 
you know, Sarah had been interfered with in the past at some point. She she says it. She says something happened to me. Something happened to me. Men are coming. Watch out. Things may happen. And mm-hmm. I think I think when you first see Sarah in this scene, you think she's in a supermarket. But then as you sort of go through and you sort of see these signs in the background and references to artisan bread and this and the other, I think she's actually in a, in a large convenience store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, two employees of the of the convenience store, perhaps the two, the only two good-looking young people that aren't <laughs> messed up in any way in Twin Peaks in the 21st century. Yeah. That's a very yes. observation. So, yes. 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 But we go we go back to the new Fat Trout Trailer Park, which is going to be one of my favourite new locations in. Which yeah. isn't in Deer Meadow. Meadow sorry, it's, it's not. No, so we've. Oh, is that what it is? We've. we've uh, it's near Deer Meadow. No, so I can't remember how I. I, I think I was rewatching. Maybe from the Secret History. The it was a bit of Secret History, bit of Firewalk with Me, and then just the. The, the look of the park as well. So Deer Meadow is closer to Oregon, which is closer to where Teresa yep. Banks died. Carl Rod was in Deer Meadow, but then moved actually back into or back to the outskirts of Twin Peaks. Right. right. That is where the new fat trout is. Ah, right, so right. Got it. this is a different place than what we saw in the in the movie and it's ah, not right. Deer Meadow. Hmm. So it really so is a new fat okay, right. Which kind of makes you feel like because you know there's that the whole thing with the Tremont uh um, place in Fat Trout, so it's mm. like this 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 sense of unwholesomeness is actually following him around. Yes, um, which is funny because he's such a wholesome character. Like, he's such a lovely, oh, <laughs> sweet yeah. character yeah. with tin whistle and his guitar. Um, <laughs> so was the old Fat Trout in Deer Meadow? Was the old Fat Trout on the outskirts of Deer? Yes, the old Fat Trout. Yeah. Was okay, so the only thing that I don't necessarily, the only thing that seems inconsistent with that is in this season, in the part where. Um, Cooper's gone through, you know, the portals three and fifteen. We see the the old telegraph pole with the number six on it, which mm. was in the old Fat Trout Trailer Park. And I presume we're meant to believe it's in the new Fat Trout Trailer Park. So unless that, you know, pole has picked up and moved itself, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it just was a bit inconsistent. Or maybe I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think yeah. Or maybe he, maybe Carl, um, is sensitive to. Telegraph poles number six, and that's where he tends to found his trailer park. <laughs> and, and it's quite possible I'm just a, a terrible pedant. <laughs> anyway, so um, but we're we're in the fat, the new fat trout. We get to see yet another example of Carl Rod just being an absolute angel on earth. Interesting with, choice of words. Maybe he is. Oh. It wasn't accidental. Oh, oh. sorry. There's Boom. me. There's me. Just like service level. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this. Some random, a new character, Crystal. Yeah, Crystal. Walking past, and he looks like the way he walks. I mean, he's on a stick. He's got very swollen arms. You think this is a man who clearly is not in very good health. Um, How great is the casting on the show, by the way? Like, so many characters that feel like, and and with a lot of stuff, but they just, they feel like they've been plucked out of real life rather than a casting agency. Totally, totally. So, poor old Crystal has to sell his blood to make ends meet, and, um, but nevertheless, is. Offers his services for free, whether it's mowing the lawns and things like that. And Carl finally works it out. And I do love the way that uh, Carl says, um, "You know, I don't want you to be selling your blood." For, I mean, you know, hospitals do need blood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to, to, to think that I'm coming off like all uh, like but an anti-vaxxer like like or something. That's like right. Like yeah. But they've got enough of his blood. That's right. <laughs> He's given them enough. Exactly. Well, the words "keep your blood" are in the middle of a beautiful, like, very <laughs> "stole my faith in humanity" speech. He just says, "Keep your blood." Just like <laughs> what's <laughs> I know, I know. So, I mean, I look, I don't, other than the fact that it continues to establish Carl's inherent goodness, um, mm. 
I don't know whether this is just a vignette slice of life kind of scene or whether, you know, crystal will reappear at some point in the yeah. future. Mm-hmm. Well, it also has, it does have some nice symbolism as well um, in terms of uh, blood and, um, uh, you know, a sort of an essential self that's being leached out. Yeah, like that's a yeah. Very, very good point. To Vegas we go. What do we see in Vegas? Why are we going to Vegas? Well, we have a moment where Sonny Jim... Take, oh, okay, that's, out. One of my favourite, yeah, by the way, because I know this is a big theme in this episode, which is probably the thing why we're a bit thrown, because this feels like something we should be discussing thematically rather than chronologically, but because there's so much dad stuff in this episode. Whether they're dad whether, jokes, whether they're dad jokes, like, yeah. un, like unwholesome dads, or, uh, or you know, Ben Horn talking about um, his relationship with his dad and Richard's lack of relationship with his dad. Yeah, that's true. But this is just such a such a sweet moment with the, the ball in the face. Like, yeah. like <laughs> Playing catch in the back, playing catch in the back garden, just. I know whoosh, at, at sunset or wherever. Yeah, yeah. Time of the day. Sonny Jim tries so hard, you know, yeah. like he really, he's such a sweet <laughs> kid, <laughs> trying to connect with his fake dad. I know, yeah, I know. That I know. like a fake dad, and he, and he did connect. He connects. Yeah, yeah. literally. Right. Yeah. Fake dad who's right inhabited in by like such a symbol of you know pure American suburbia, uh, and but like a corrupted version of that, or, or you know, in as much as not not like bad coop corrupted, but. Um, and just he's trying, yes, so hard to be the, this <laughs> smiley, sweet son, even though he's had to listen to his parents bonking it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and meanwhile, I mean, you know, the estate, housing estate of the suburb where um, these guys, the Joneses live, is clearly, is, again, small town, Amer- a slice of yeah, small yeah. town American suburbia in Sin City. So it's, a, yeah. you know, there's a duality mm. there. Just such a, you know, prefab city as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we've just spoken about Las Vegas for more than the scene actually went. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I get to go back to Sarah Palmer. And yeah, let's talk yeah, yeah. about Sarah again. Because there's a whole lot of now, clues oh, that this is all messed up. The very first thing we see is the fan. The fan, Freaky yeah. Freaky yeah. oh, And it just, it's really, I think, testament to the power of, of this show. And, and they just, it just, it takes you back... Uh, that like gives you an emotional memory. Yeah, yes. oh. scenes of the original series. Yeah, it gives me emotional terror. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I think we talk about this um, domestic horror or the horror in the mundane. We've talked about it before, and the fan really is the epitome of Lynch's ability to make you just lose your mind mm. over the most mundane or domestic of images yeah and i think that good good horror and good suspense done well often does that like say for Quite instance right. like uh, the ring movie um is all about is after you finish watching the movie if your phone actually rings after that and you go and pick it up you're like oh, what are they going to say on the phone are they going to say yeah. i'm going to be dead in seven days like all of a sudden <laughs> now a ringing telephone becomes an object of terror and you can't uh, you can't go to sleep after you've heard a phone and i think traditionally certainly if you sort of look think of um you know thriller movies in in the 1950s and 60s the sense of terror or suspense was sort of very much tied with the soundtrack, you know, the typical thriller yep. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Which is from Michael Jackson, 1982. You're bad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a pretty young thing. Uh, <laughs> okay? Take a good look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> uh, but to the point that um, with Lynch and obviously with sort of more sort of newer auteur directors, it's actually the absence of a soundtrack. Yeah, that actually contributes yeah. to the sense of foreboding. Yeah, um, you know that that fan. All you hear is the fan. Also, on top of that, though, there's. I mean, this idea that suspense is. Yeah, it's, I know, I'm totally paraphrasing, but Hitchcock has a line that gets used a lot that um, suspense is like uh, is a ticking bomb 
under a table while two people are having a conversation. So you're, yeah, right. yeah. you're actually, as the audience, you're aware of what's coming mm. and they're not, and you have superior knowledge and that sort of builds that suspense. And in this case, we don't have sus- yeah. superior knowledge. Uh, and it's, it's something, it's suspenseful, but it's also something else. Like it's almost like inverted yeah. that, that, you know, which is a, it's a goddamn bad story, Hawk. And you're, you know that she knows so much more. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that Hawk knows a whole different side to the story. And yeah. we know very little, but there's that, the tension between them and in that, that they have this kind of mutual respect and they've, they've both come from this community, but they, uh, they're unable to meet in the middle. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the noises of the bottles in the kitchen as well, like it all just gives yeah. you this awful feeling. But, and also, I guess, even, and this is credit to Grace Zabriskie as well as an actress, is the way that Sarah's voice changes both in the, in the convenience store scene and yeah. this scene, it feels like there is a, a battle within her yeah, between totally. forces. <coughs> like, totally. Yeah, totally. I felt it a bit, seeing the first time and then rewatching. I felt it much more strongly. And like you said, Nav, it's total credit to her as an actress because the the convenience store feels like the uh, almost like a break in her in her facade mm. uh, and something sort of trying to bust out or a bit of a moment of clarity in almost the way that the one-armed man when he didn't take his drugs. Yeah. Mike would, would pop mm, out. Mm. She was seeing things for the first time and, and getting that old feeling of Sarah Palmer um, having visions. She said, men are coming, something's yeah. coming. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And talking to herself in the third person. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Sarah, Sarah, don't you? Yeah, yeah. In this scene, I, there was a bit of that, but then there was also, you could read it as this is not her and the, and the other exactly. worldly forces yeah. have one and are impersonating her because the way she's forcing the smile and... She's she's dismissing it and saying it's all fine, but so her eyes are screaming. Yeah. yeah, and then of course when she just yeah, it's terrifying the way she barely she doesn't move her lips and says something goddamn bad is happening. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, That's goddamn exactly. bad story. So, yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I thought she said something goddamn bad is starting. Isn't I it? thought no, no, bad it's a goddamn story. bad story. It is go- I actually yeah. the second time I used to usually watch it with the um the subtitles. Oh, right. yeah. subtitles so um, so who's in the kitchen? That's well, what I wanted. What's in the kitchen? Yeah. Something's in the kitchen, not yeah. someone. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Who was says, in the yeah. kitchen? Actually, it's interesting. Just, just to kind of continue to address mm. that, but also to continue on with what Steve was saying. I mean, there's that real sense of which, with the one-armed man, which I hadn't thought of that before, that she's at the shops because her alcohol's run out. So the... Mm. The self-medication the medical, is, yeah. is where yes. it's off. With, yes. What is it without uh, without, without chemicals? chemicals points, points, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the you know without the vodka, she raves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sound of the sound of bottles. I mean, it's it's also, that is her medication, right? Yeah, as well. Totally. So it's um, yeah. And at first, I thought like I was wondering whether it was a person from the convenience store dropping stuff off, but it really does feel like there is a, an evil presence in her house. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, still, or she's the evil presence, and that's the sound of. The not evil presence, right? Trying to that's get exactly. Right. It could yeah, vary. Yeah. It could See, vary I just thought it was better. a white horse. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's on the white horse again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. One, but one way or the other, Hawk knows that things are not right. Yep. Um, just with that mm. sixth sense that he has, and he offers her help. He says, "If you ever need help, any kind of help at all." Like, yeah. You know, that that delo- you know, Hawk's very good at a loaded statement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what was the light? Was it the, the horse's the sleep? Of the no, what was the, um, the the white horse? Yeah. No, um, no, no, no. I mean, in the um, in episode eight, the the line that the woodsman was saying into the microphone. Oh, um, um, this is the world. This, this is a world. This is the world. Oh, yeah. Drink deep into sand. What was the line about the horse? I don't think he's... The horse is the white of the eye. The horse is the white of the eye and darkness, darkness within. Yeah. yeah, right. That's and we heard the horse at the end of episode eight as well. We yeah. did, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Not as immediately relevant as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> the um, but no, yeah. That, but the vision of the horse is when she's uh, intoxicated or when she's been drugged. Um, she sees the horse. So that's the only reason we bring it up. But yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I don't think it's an actual literal horse. No, no, no. But I was wondering. <laughs> uh, no, I was just wondering whether yeah. it might be relevant to her um, state at that point, and whether yeah. there is. Yeah, yeah. Could well be. Yeah. Yeah. What comes next? Miriam. We know that Miriam's in hospital. Oh, that's right. And Truman comes around to uh, to talk to Ben Horn. Yeah. Let her know what's going on. You know, for all the for all the stuff that gets dragged out in this show, I like the way they just cut to that. Like, we know we don't need to investigate further. We know Richard was responsible. Here's the information. I I don't know. I felt we. I don't know whether we're ready to talk about this Frank uh, Frank Ben scene, but I just felt there was an interminable amount of exposition in this. I was like, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) There were parts that I liked, but then I just felt like it just went on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I felt like yeah. There was a lot of information, but I didn't feel like the the point of speaking that information was to catch up the audience or anything. It was. I mean, so much of that scene, there were so many nice parts. It, it, it was when Ben would say he grew up without a father. Like, that's a, that's that a clue. Lo- that part and, was lovely. Yeah. I, and, I'd had no, no, and that happened once Frank had left the room. Yeah. But the actual sequence or the scene just between Frank and Ben went on for quite some time. Going, yeah. um, but also one of the things I got from that was we are consistently and constantly reminded that there are two Trumans there's Frank and Harry yeah. and it kind of like we've got it everyone these are the residents of Twin Peaks surely they, they it, have yeah. got it why is, I, I do feel constant, and I feel that there is a purpose to this yeah I don't I, know what that purpose is but I feel that there is a purpose to I it. hope so yeah yeah because otherwise it does yeah it does feel a little bit like they're just really trying to explain away who's and, and, and to reassure us yeah. that it's all okay you know like I mean like think about when with Dawn in Buffy when Dawn turns up and it's all retconned and yeah, she was always there yeah. the whole time and that makes perfect sense within the logic of that season Totally. Whereas with this, it sometimes feels like a casting issue. Like, it's yeah, like yeah. well, we couldn't get Michael. So and I, did, I really did love that moment, though. And it was so still and so kind where he gave him the key and he yes. said for Harry. Yeah. And that was just like, I felt like that was a little tip of the cowboy hat. Yeah. Look, there was, but I even think that that part was kind of laboured a bit too, oh, to okay. be honest. But I mean, it's really interesting. So, you know, I mean, it's. Ben or Frank explains, oh no, Ben explains to Frank that Harry and Richard had had their run-ins over the years, nothing serious but escalating in nature, and then Ben says to Frank, even though Harry is clearly sick and out of action, is Harry aware of all of this? Mm. So I don't know whether it's a case of the townspeople have not accepted Frank as mm. the real sheriff of Twin Peaks, and so Harry needs to be across everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. There's, there's something else behind that, which is kind of weird, right, because Frank... Um, and Harry and Ben and Jerry and, you know, Ed and all those guys from the same high school football team, yeah. you know, many, many years ago. So, it's, I mean, these guys have, a, if you were to believe the secret history, these guys have a shared history. Like, there mm. should be a level of acceptance here which doesn't play out in how. Absolutely. Yeah. We missed Diane. We missed a very important thing with Diane. Oh. Oh, yes. Is that right? Chronologically? Or the, um, um, the text message. Like, yeah. 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 So, she gets a text, a time stamp. And again, we, we get a few hints about time and days mm. and that's, I think that's starting to pick up a little bit as we get to the, the final parts of season three <laughs> um, this timestamp text at 7.28pm from an unknown which are, just asked Las Vegas question mark and um, Diane just says they haven't asked yet mm. so I don't know who sent it to her 
Um, it's the uh, we're assuming it's still because well, this is unknown, so it's hard to tell. But we're assuming it's still the same person who's been oh, yeah, texting oh, the whole yes, time. Yes, yeah. yes, which yeah. some of us think is Phil Jeffries. Some people think it's Phil Jeffries. Yeah. Um, even my uh, girlfriend who it hasn't been watching every episode religiously, she saw this and she's like. <gasps> She's replied in capitals again. <laughs> but do you know what? I'm so with Megan because I actually have written it down exactly as it appeared and it's all in caps. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Where do we go from here? Do we see... Oh, yes. Now, now this... Well, that's where we get to Gordon and Pseudo-Lil. And Pseudo-Lil, Pseudo Lil, yes. Yeah. Um, who's be- beautifully played by a French actress named Berenice oh. Marlowe, actually. And so just we... we... I loved about. Sorry, them. I love the fact looking through the credits that it was a French actor. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh right, okay. yeah. so she I wasn't just it was, it was like cartoony, like yeah. Well, I'm going to slip into my black and white striped top and eat up again. Actually, French. Yeah. Um, one other thing that points toward possibly it being code was after she does that interminably long get ready and Sequence. leave the room, mm. uh, and he and Gordon Cole says she's visiting a friend of her mother whose daughter has gone missing. Told the turnip joke. Albert's emotionless. And then Gordon says, do you realise there's more than 6,000 languages spoken on Earth today? Yes. So, again, you can yeah. draw from that. Like, Albert, this is not the yes. language that you <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I yeah. totally agree. Although, uh, yeah, you kind of wonder, like, are his codes so codified that Albert doesn't even realise when he's getting coded messages sometimes? Because <laughs> yeah. that would normally on top of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I actually wondered whether there were what was in his expression, which was kind of expressionless, wasn't, uh, oh dear, uh, so much <laughs> as, um, oh dear, like there's, like the mess, he got the message. He did get the message. Oh, right, yeah, and it was pretty. He is concerned or worried about where they're going next. Yeah. With it. Or, or he realises that Cole might not survive. Well, actually, that theory might play out a little bit because, um, you know, Cole says, they talk about Diane's text message and Albert's intercepted all of this and Albert says, well, uh, and Cole says, well, it can wait till morning because he wants to get back to his fine Bordeaux. And Albert says, well, what kind is it? And Cole says, 11.05, ha, ha, ha. Mm. But which on the, super, on the face of it just seems like a platform for just another yeah. band, you know. Yeah. Albert Cole, can't misheard again. But I think to your point... Um, Albert knows that a fine Bordeaux is code, and he's actually asking what kind. Yeah, right. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I um, I had a horrible thought that that what if it does? There is another season, and this this is this is a conversation about Gordon Cole not surviving the season, and of course, uh, Miguel Ferrer. Uh, passed away, yeah. so he won't be back next season. Which means that the only agent left is Tammy. Oh, we need we need Coop back. Oh, oh, God. We need Showtime back now. Paid for intensive acting lessons. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Wow, I don't think there's any acting lessons that's helping Christopher. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> no. We, we she might see, be the last person standing. We could see Christabel's disembodied head floating through space going, Blue Rose! <laughs> and looking a bit confused. Oh, um, but Chantel's hungry. Yeah, yeah. starving. She's starving, mm. yeah. Way to work up an appetite. Yeah, yeah, Well, um, and she's eating cheese twists. I th- obviously, this is her calling card. She, she loves yeah, cheese yeah. twists, you know. Oh, another, and it's, this is another dead moment as well. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, a great ad for Wendy's. It's like, that should be the new thing. It's like, when you, when you build up a hunger after shooting a guy twice in front of his child, oh. go a Wendy's burger. I know, I know. Look, and, and I think that, you know, you get a sense, and maybe I'm projecting, but I got a sense that Hutch was not expecting a child here, and he was actually kind of a bit, slightly shaken 
um, before you know, I'm doing the you're like projecting here. Yeah, like, no, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think Chantel is the absolute hard ass, and I think well, she's got a little bit of she's the one who likes to torture people. Like, yeah, I like the way exactly that, right. that you know, play with them a little in the first, like the first time you hear them, actually, it had sort of sexual overtones. You're no, she just wants to torture some people. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally, them. totally, totally. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was just dreadful just hearing this small child going daddy, daddy <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Just awful. <laughs> Tough luck. <laughs> Shouldn't have done the wrong thing. The um, yeah, like it was one of those rare moments of kind of cosmic justice in this show where bad people get punished. Like often, you yeah. feel like good people yeah. get punished, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. bad people don't. It's not that bad people don't get punished because there's certainly I don't think any glamorizing of crime and violence, and you know, in this show, but um, but a but a moment where you felt good about someone dying. But, yeah. I, but I didn't because I can't di- I can't distinguish Warden Murphy, Murphy from the character that the same actor played in 24. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. and, and in that character, it was sort of like, oh, quite similar to he's in the counter-terrorist unit, but just sort of like the boss man who you thought was going to be this bureaucratic pain in the ass, but actually he was one of the good guys. And it's like, oh, he always dies. You know, just wanted the, to help. So, one of the good guys is such an ambivalent term in 24, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. he let he, them torture them. So. <laughs> the right people. Well, and it was effective in that yeah, case. That's right. If there's a silver lining in all of this, is that Warden Murphy and Mr. Strawberry have been reunited. Oh, oh. that's very sweet. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the other three... Mr. along on one leg yeah. just because well, the other the three other, still haven't been recovered. Well, the other, exactly, the other three legs, Mr. Strawberry's other three legs, who knows where they are and perhaps they don't even have a purpose anymore. Mm. Oh, man, so, so that kid lost his dad and his dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's, that's dark. Give him a gym set. <laughs> At least. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. Okay, well, it's... Uh, well, it's... now we get to the scene where... The, can I say that I and the rest of the internet were in two minds for the rest of the episode on <laughs> I love the idea that you are the spokesperson. I'm the spokesperson. The internet and I had a little powwow. Uh, yes. And we feel that uh, Dr. Amp here um, yep. was a bit of, like, the fact that it was word for word uh, and really shot for shot the way it happened a few episodes earlier was very frustrating. Now, maybe that... Was it word for word? I know that the shit-shoveling ad thing was exactly straight. The lamp for liberty and all that, it didn't oh, that feel is, like it was the same footage, but definitely yeah. the same. Oh, no, all that stuff. But then his actual rant about the monstrous vermin in multinational corporations that eat, sleep and mm. shit. You know, would and shit money. Yeah, they did feel a little, bit, little that's, bit. That's different. Uh, it is different. That's yeah, yeah, that's different. Yes, but they, but the intro and the ads were the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you the reason why it's different because he refers to the ninth circle of hell, which is a lovely Dante reference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, and the other thing that's different, of course, is that Nadine's protein shake of choice is white this time. Oh, around. wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm tracking Nadine's which, protein yeah. shake. Which, yeah. feels, which feels appropriate for the rhetoric of Dr. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that right. White, <laughs> white protein <laughs> shake supremacist. Yes. Um, that also then begs a, begs a question. When they shot those scenes for Nadine, they're like, okay, saying to... What's the actress's name? Um... Oh, Wendy Roby. Wendy Roby. Yeah. Like, sit in front of this laptop. Now, sit there. We're going to set up the camera here. Now, just look lovingly at this laptop. Okay, now let's swap around the shape. <laughs> do the exact same thing. She's like, are you going to move the camera? No, yeah, no. She's totally wearing exact... the same clothes. Yeah, yeah. same yeah. clothes, same, like, head tilts almost yeah, the exact yeah. same moment. Yeah. You know what? And, yeah. And, of course, the it's, I mean, it, it's not. Um, it's not inconsistent, of course, either, because she's mad as fuck. 
Um, yeah. 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 That's so she's going to love the people that are also mad as fuck, but also and also giving Dr. her easy solutions to her problems. Well, that's you know, right. Like, and, and the fact that have... the way that Dr. Jacoby rants that. That that's the way that the morons rant as well. That they say well, the same thing chamber, without ever yeah. saying anything. It's actually a really interesting. Yeah, there's two interesting things going on but, uh, that I want to chat about. But the first one, this this idea that um, uh, of easy solutions that uh, kind of sparked off in me that the the cosmology of Twin Peaks and the the right and wrongness of it is not simply a case of there are evil forces controlling things. Like there's you always get this sense in which that the people who are mm. um, who become agents of the Black Lodge are already on that path. I mean, yes. you know, mm. yeah. um, Leland Palmer being a classic yeah, yeah. example. Yeah. Uh, whereas the, and the other thing being the repetition, like this, uh, mm. that it, you know, it's funny because it didn't shit me the way that the exposition repetition did early on. And there's some, and I, I don't know if it's because I've just become acclimatized yeah. to it. Like, yeah, this is the way of them presenting this show. Yeah, yeah I, mm. I wasn't sort of, I wasn't pissed off like three quarters of the internet about the repetition. I, okay. no, I, I didn't think it was lazy. Not. I thought it was perfectly in context. Yeah. Okay. And the tone, and I thought the tone was right. The, the tone of these uh, sort of you know people that rant and use these soapboxes to rant and stuff like that. It's always anger and disappointment that the world is not the way that they want it to be and that, but, and they just feel powerless and no, don't know how to, yeah, how to yeah. deal with well, it. Well, it's actually not even disappointment. It's just straight to outrage and anger. Yeah. Yeah. Like disappointment yeah. has been sort of mixed with, you know, civilised conversation and respectful debate, you know. And I kind of think that this whole Dr. Amp sort of, you know, vodcast or whatever you want to call it is kind of, maybe it's also Lynch's kind of comment about where the world has gone in terms of there is no critical yeah. debate anymore. You can find mm. your own echo chamber and... You know, as as Amp has done and Nadine has done, finding you know, it's, I, I personally think it was such a great uh, plotting decision with, you know, with Jacoby being in the original series so charismatic and like a character you really want to watch on screen, but at the same time being like so completely abusing his position, yes. oh, <laughs> so God. selfish, abusing both his position and his it's, patience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and it was such a a beautiful um, uh, progression of that into mm. where we are now. That, that there's the same characters are not like therapists and doctors they're they're media people yeah and, absolutely and, and the way that there's no evidence that he really thinks like that or yeah that he's he that this is where the money can be made yeah with the shit shovel yeah, the shit shovel. yeah absolutely so. yeah yeah um, uh, can we just talk a second I don't know have you talked about the um oh, I've forgotten the name of it but that unifying universe that that uh, brings like almost 300 TV shows into the same no. continuity. No, let's no. Because Jacoby, you know, appeared in, I think, was it St. Elsewhere? Oh, um, yeah, right. Yes. Like, yeah, not just the actor, not just Russ Tamblin, but the character of um, Jacoby has a cameo in a hospital-based soap. Seriously? Yeah. Wow, really? And I've tried to track it down. I haven't been able to find it, but that's that's one of the earliest examples of this ongoing continuity that brings all these other shows into it. Wow. Um that's freaky deep. That's amazing. So when the actor that plays Major Briggs turns up in the X-Files, you reckon he's still, he's still there's some sort of continuity <laughs> of... I think he's playing a different character. Yeah. Um, but there is a way that the X-Files gets folded into Twin Peaks as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just don't remember what that is right now. I but definitely I'm, feel that Bad Cooper was the mayor of Portland um, in Portlandia. You think that was Dougie? <laughs> <laughs> Dougie, yeah. Um, and that's yeah. hilarious. Oh, I'm going to do. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'm going to have to I'll, Google that. I'll Google, on, Google it right now. And I'm going to pop it up on the website. You can visit us at daveandlynch.com 
forward slash part 12 for all the notes about this one. It's called the Tommy Westfall universe. The Tommy Westfall. Um, Current master list of 419 Tommy Westfall multiverse shows. Oh my gosh. um, That includes 24, 90210, 704 Hauser, Adam 12, Adam's Family, Adventures of Superman. Um, You know, it goes all the way through to, um, this is just an alphabetized list, all the way down to the bottom uh, of um, Young and the Restless, Young Married. No way. The oldest show on the list is I Love Lucy. Wow. No. Yeah. And there are currently 49 shows on air that link to the Tommy West Oh, my God, if you did not go insane trying to put that list together. That is, talk about conspiracy theories. That is bonkers. And 24 is on there, so Major um, Warden Murphy. Tommy Westfall was a character. He was a... So how does it explain Kiefer Sutherland? (laughs) (laughs) So Tommy Westfall, played by Chad Allen, is a minor character from the drama TV series St. Elsewhere, which uh, St. Elsewhere, I think, was a show that Jacoby turns up in. Oh, right. Yes. Um, uh, he so I'm I'm kind of reading from the, the Wikipedia entry right now. He was uh, an autistic character, uh, took on major significance in Elsewhere's final episode, the last one, where the common interpretation of that finale is that the entire Saint Elsewhere storyline exists only inside Westfall's imagination. Yeah. Um, and characters from Saint Elsewhere have appeared on other TV shows, and those shows characters have appeared on more shows and so on. So that's how it kind of builds up yeah. and wow. expands. And awesome. can I suggest, uh, in 1992, Chet Desmond disappeared without trace. Sam Stanley, tormented by the loss of his partner, put himself into deep, deep training, changed agencies from the FBI to the counter-terrorist unit, changed his name to Jack Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucking took on the terrorists. Great. I've just fallen off my chair laughing That's so That's fantastic. Hard. So um, it's, um, it's uh, Detective John Munch from Homicide who appears in The X-Files and Law and & Order, and that's how those get... Uh, That's oh, true, wow. actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's really like once you oh, start going like down this rabbit hole. Now I know what I'll be doing this afternoon. Yeah, me too. But it also becomes like it's one of things that started off with a few things, and then more and more people working on shows they started just bought into it. deliberately yeah. buying. Is it, it just like is it like the Wilhelm screen? Like that everyone. Once someone got on the Wilhelm Scream bandwagon, that everyone yeah, feels that's like right. they want to yeah, yeah, totally. tip the hat and do that. Um, it wasn't quite a part of that shared universe, but uh, what was the show? Was it Psych a couple of years ago that had uh, a twi- basically a Twin Peaks episode where yes, about eight of did. the yeah. actors from Twin Peaks yeah. appeared in that one episode? Wow. Wow. Um, so throw up a link to that too. Yeah, if there's yeah, yeah, yeah. a link, we should pop that on the show notes. Outstanding. Uh, was it called tw- Twin Spires? No, two. Yeah, uh, double Spires. Double, double spires. spires. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been putting off long enough. It's time to talk about the. Schmordry Schmord? The, the, the <laughs> biggest oh, anticlimax. No. <laughs> anticlimax no. or hyperclimax? Well, yeah. No, I think you guys are being really unfair. No, I, I was saying, I agree with you. I'm on Team Nav. No, no, that's no, right. What are you. What were you expecting? I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm I'm channeling a bit of the, the internet. Again, the internet and I had a power, and I'm yeah. channeling the frustration. Sounds like I you're in it. That I don't necessarily feel, but so many people uh, have so much of a connection to Audrey that they wanted one of two things, or preferably both. Uh, first, that she would be that her first appearance, the reason why she's been held off for twelve episodes. Um, that when she came through, it would be a staggering event that would um, have some link towards the return of Cooper directly, such as she's the billionaire behind the, the New York... Um, the last box, she's yeah. been working towards the return. She's been... Invest- well, shame which I think shame is a- on the internet, because David Lynch has not given us any indication well, that that's, that's right. what would happen. That's right. And, no. and I think the other th- part of that, of course, is that 
um, he's never point. He's never said Audrey Horn is vital. It's just that everyone has got this connection to Cheryl and Finn and the way that the character was. Yeah, that's that's our stuff, not his. And trust stuff. me, Absolutely. no one loves Audrey more than me. Yeah, and which the because the other thing that I think a lot of people wanted to see was just that life had worked out for her, yeah. and this yeah. is. Just that tragic thing of okay, you're you're it's all a bit shit for you in a loveless marriage. Um, <laughs> to a creepy looking guy. Yeah. Creepy looking guy. <laughs> Dear <laughs> secret agent, I'm trapped again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, look, I mean, I can totally understand why people why this scene has polarised a number of fans and for for the reasons that you outlined. But I mean, let's talk about Audrey and and Charlie, who we are. Well, as far as we know, is her husband. Mm. Um, and But clearly it is a... They're not happy. She's definitely yeah. not happy. I mean, mm. you know, she's married some guy who she calls a spineless noble's lover. So, you know, <laughs> that's pretty harsh. Yeah. And, and that's true. That Audrey always called a spade a spade. So, you know, true. some yeah. things remain true. Yeah. Although... It was he's scene. also another person of short stature, and it's just like <laughs> David Lynch yeah. is like, look, he's Michael not, J. Edison, look how many I can cast. Yeah, he's not super short stature. Oh, no. He's like five four. He has um, he ha- he, ha- he actually just sold a show about this. The actor has who I first saw in Fringe. Yeah, yeah. He has um, he had childhood uh, like a childhood um, what's it called when you have like your joints uh, arthritis, arthritis, like a childhood oh, arthritis. Like arthritis. arthritis or something. So his um, his joints and development aren't quite. Standard. Well, Michael but, but Jansen has, yeah. was is not a, a, a person of short stature in that classic sense either. He oh, had right. some uh, condition that uh, he's got brittle bones. That's yeah, right. As a result, yeah. they never they didn't grow they properly. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, that's it's definitely a bit of well, you if you want to make accusations yeah. about me on the internet, Michael. Um, How about I hire all of your... <laughs> <laughs> all of your exactly. Just get me, get me the union on the line yeah, that's and I'm going to cast... So poor old, poor old Audrey, is, uh, she's married to a narcoleptic um, administrator of some sort. She wants to go to the roadhouse to find Billy, who, and I presume it's the same Billy that was mentioned at the very end of Part 7 when someone yeah. walks in and screams, out, where's Billy? Has anyone, anyone seen Billy? Billy? Um, but, uh, you know, poor old... Uh, what's his name? Chuck? Charles. Charlie. Charlie. No, this is a different Chuck. <laughs> no, oh God. no, 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 Charles oh, is not Chuck. We're, uh... Yeah, he's uh, he's on deadline. He's got a lot of work to do. He's sleepy. Oh, and besides, it's a new moon and it's going to be dark outside. Um, no wonder she calls him a spineless noble. <laughs> like, yeah. But then she actually repeats. She says, let's call a spade a spade. You have no balls. You have no balls. So I'm like, does he literally have <laughs> maybe no balls? Maybe he literally has no balls. No, no. <laughs> so um, maybe, you know, anyway. Um and also the best use of the word milk toast in a television show. Oh, yes, <laughs> tremendous. So just to, just to uh, we might need to edit this back in, sorry, I just need to be Googling while we were talking, but um, I found the links from Twin Peaks to Tommy Westfall. So it's actually two of them, and they both involve Jacoby. The first one is he appeared on, uh, on General Hospital yep. in two episodes as himself, um, and there is a blooper reel available online, but I haven't checked that out yet. But the other one is, uh, and I've forgotten about this, in an episode of Fringe, uh, Walter Bishop has... Uh, red and blue glasses that he uses for um, for fringe science. It's how he can see people's auras, and he says that the glasses were made by his friend Dr. Jacoby. Wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. So it links to both those shows. So whilst you're talking about General Hospital, which is a total soap opera, um, this the actual scene, this Audrey Charlie scene, is like total soap uh, opera. Absolutely, right? and it feels mm. like you know it's that, that yeah. fine line Lynch treads that we've talked about a few times between. Um, 
kind of generic homage and trolling. Yes. <laughs> Here's a bunch of stuff because it's just kind of going to make fun of the kind of show that we are, which it's been doing from the beginning with, um, what was the soap called in the original series? Invitation to Love. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, I mean, we've got these these new characters, at least three characters that we've not seen before who are referenced in the space of a couple of minutes. So there's some chick called Tina who Audrey can't stand, who was the last person to see Billy alive, mm-hmm. which is according to, Char- to Chuck, who was certifiable. Billy? Yeah. Um, but Charlie says, huh, but, you know, but, I, but Chuck said he stole Billy's truck last week and he called the sheriff and they found the truck, the truck and the, Billy dropped the truck. Anyway. It goes on and on and on, but ultimately there's some paper, there's some papers that Audrey wants Charlie to sign, which Charlie has um, got reservations about. Whatever those papers may be, mm. divorce papers. Divorce well. papers. You would, think, you would think divorce papers, <laughs> um, but and uh, you know clearly there is a power struggle going on between these these two characters. So and it looks like they're pretty evenly balanced. You know when Charlie says he doesn't want to sign the papers, Audrey threatens to send Paul around. Yeah. Um, whoever Paul is, and, and there's some contract, there's some contractual arrangement between these two characters, um, whatever it would be. Yeah, there's um, also at one stage he says um, I, he says I don't have a crystal ball, Audrey, and then when you look at his desk, he has a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> have another look, it's sitting oh, there. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. But in any event, Charlie calls Tina and has the most painful one-sided conversation and I'm with Audrey I'm going nuts because I want to know um, what it is that Tina has said to mm. to Charlie um, but like the true prick that he turns out to be in this scene he won't tell her yeah, yeah. <laughs> now so you can speculate that um, one interpretation of uh, this scene and the people that they're talking about is for some reason Chuck seems to sound a lot like Richard Horn. Like Chuck stole the truck, yep. and yeah, Chuck, yeah, yeah. And, and you know Chuck, and, and Chuck is uh, because also it, uh, there's a theory that Billy is the guy that the Andy owner of the was truck. Questioning. Yeah, yes, that's and that's right. why he didn't right. show up to the thing. Exactly. Exactly. He's been off. Exactly. Oh yes, yes, yes. exactly. Uh, but why would they call Richard Chuck? I don't know, but then it, but it could make sense that if he's talking to Tina, um, this perhaps doesn't play into the Charles. Not Chuck. Charles is a. Is a manipulative asshole, but um, that what Tina is telling him is that Richard has gone around the bend, that he killed a, a, a little boy in that truck, and he's and then he tried to kill a witness and he's disappeared. And Charles is hearing this and not wanting to share that information mm. with Audrey because that's yeah, that's right, because Audrey that's clearly just, has oh, no right. knowledge yeah. of. So that was my feeling as well. It's but. Oh, he's masked. He's masked. But also, the, the names are different, so that doesn't really yeah. melt up. Well, well except, that, except that um, what he, like, Chuck doesn't have to be Richard for that to be the case. Like, yeah. he could be hearing about it could be like the connections yeah. and, and not wanting like to share that. A small part town of the story. story thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, That's yeah. true. Yeah. The, something I w- was a bit frustrated with in this scene was it reminded me of the reaction I had with the Denise Bryson scene uh, yeah. many episodes ago where it felt like there were inconsistent motivations during the course of the scene. So mm. remember back then I complained about feeling like when Denise first came out she didn't know anything about what was happening yes. and then she said, oh, yes, I know it all. Yes. And I was like, well, surely in either the writing or the rewriting of that you're going you're gonna to fix that inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. Here uh, in the, at one stage in the scene... Well, it starts with Audrey abusing uh, Charles, 
But then he says, you always say how good I am to you. You always say how much you need me. Uh, and she doesn't dispute that. Um, but then she, but she also dismisses him in a way that doesn't just speak of um, uh, fury and anger, but contempt. Mm. Yeah. And contempt feels very inconsistent with someone who's saying, "I need you." And yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is what I I think there is this power struggle between these these two characters. And I really am very curious to see how this plays out in, in subsequent episodes. Yeah. One theory that has done the rounds, internet theory, uh, <laughs> is that Audrey is in a coma. Uh, and this is oh, right. this is her hallucination that yeah. she is still in the same coma. Wow! Now twenty five years later, really? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Wouldn't they turn off the machine? <laughs> <laughs> well, not if it's being paid for by yeah by bed. So yeah, I mean that does feel to me like fan service. Yeah. it feels like a like a stretch. But I'll tell you a couple of things that I don't buy into that theory either. But um, there are a couple of things that I that are a bit consistent with it. She. Well, not so much consistent, but she talks about uh, I, I had a dream and uh, some of it, that that Billy was bleeding from the nose in my dream. Now, that was just in the middle of the soap opera, uh, which is all about feelings and I hate you, and then all of a sudden for a dream to come back in, it's I don't know. It just feels feels like that's a bit of a signpost to not all, all is not right in Audrey's psyche. Oh, I think it's very clear that all is not right, but. Um yeah, I, I don't buy the coma. No, I don't buy the coma either. No. What do you think, listeners? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is there a coma? Yeah, hit, yeah, hit us yeah. up on Facebook or Twitter or um, or on, online to tell us what you think. Yeah, for sure. Um, do we finish with the Bang Bang Bar? No. Oh, well, before we finish with the Bang Bang Bar, there's just one other thing I wanted to mention is that we go back to South Dakota into the hotel bar and mm. it's Diane. In the background, a cleaner is vacuuming, much like yeah, the, yeah. the broom um, from a few parts ago in the roadhouse. But Diane walks in. Um, she, again, she has another sort of interaction on the, on the oh, she's got a phone in her hand and she, there's a flashback to her, um, looking over at that photograph of Ruth Davenport's arm and going, memorizing the coordinates. Mm. Um, but actually, and I don't know, I haven't gone back to have a look. So when that scene was first played, I can't remember if Diane was mouthing numbers she was. It was coordinated in this, to. Yeah. No, no, no. So in this right. scene, this particular flashback, she's not mouthing numbers. Notwithstanding the fact that Ruth's arm has got numbers on it, she's saying co or d nets plus yeah. two. No, no, so, she, no, no. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, yeah, and she puts that, she puts that in her phone. So it's like a. It's a way. It's a mnemonic. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. Another code. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So anyway, so the map takes it to, she zooms on the map, the coordinates seem to be for, for Twin Peaks. But what's interesting about this scene, and this is what makes me wonder whether scenes are being played in sequence or not, is that her, she's gone back to wearing the green shirt or cardigan or whatever it was that she was wearing when she was overlooking um, Ruth Davenport's arm. Yeah. The earlier scenes when we've seen Diane this episode, she's wearing a red, red top. Of course, I'm a girl, so I'm the only one who's going to notice this stuff. But, um, I don't actually think it's a case of she's just gone back to her room and changed her clothes. Like, it's exactly the same outfit that yeah, she was right. wearing when she was looking at... And it makes sense that if you were going to try to commit something to memory, quickly hurry you up before, get it out before, you, yeah. before you forgot. Yeah, yeah you want to get yeah. do that on the same day. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. But, yes, let's go to the Bang Bang Bar and, and more new characters. <laughs> well... <laughs> and, again, more. this feels like a scene out of Paris Bueller's Day Off. Like, you seek my best friend's friend was going pass out of the flavour. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So we've got Angela. Uh, Angela was uh, with Clark. Uh, she was supposed to show last night. Um, 
There's also Mary, who was with Clark two nights ago, not to mention the two girls who are actually talking about them. Yeah, so yeah. Natalie and Abby, I think yeah, they're and, called. Yeah, and then Trick rocks up. Um, so, look, I, f- I, I feel like this has got to be... Um, any, like, like you said a few moments ago, Dave, that there is the, the nod to the soap opera style yeah. and the invitation to love. The fact that this is deploying multiple names we haven't heard of before in the exact same episode as Audrey does the same thing. And they've said in the past that David Lynch filmed everything and was reordering them however he saw fit in in Mm. terms of those 18 episodes, that this has got to be an intentional, like, overly soap operatic thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think this scene potentially does is when Trick sort of launches himself into the booth he's just been run off the road by some ass eater and his right hand shaking so I mean I think that's trying I I think we're being led to believe that maybe it was Richard driving away Mm. from town yeah Yeah, right right I do like the way that this show consistently builds a sense of we're looking at the micro level of of a macro story yeah so there's little things going on that kind of feed into other things but that's not where the focus is absolutely yeah Yeah. and they, they really have this this was punching us in the face with the soap opera this yeah. episode, but uh, when you compare it to the the first three or four episodes, they really have brought us back to a position where there's the overarching story, but there is yeah. the mini plots of, of Twin Peaks, yeah, the life absolutely. happening in Twin yeah. Peaks. Yeah, 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 and you know, and and the other thing I guess is Trick was under house arrest, but he's a free man again. So, you know, who knows who he's connected to or why he was under house arrest or whether that's even relevant to any of this. Mm. Who was the band this go-round? Uh, the Chromatics. The Chromatics again. again. Back to the so there it is yeah. again, another indication of or another repeat of something that we've yeah. seen yeah, before. Yeah. We saw Jacoby yeah. before. Uh, we saw Diane's yep. uniform before. Yeah, yeah. Now we're seeing the same band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So... Um, yeah, so if I'm going to be quiet for this last little bit of the, of the podcast, it's because I've completely gone down the Tommy Westfall rabbit hole. It's like links and, and shows and, yeah, so. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, I think we're uh, just about uh, ready to wrap things up. Thanks again for uh, all your support. Just wanted to uh, have a big shout-out and let you know that we, have, we can now say that the number of downloads of this show is in the thousands plural uh yeah thousands of downloads so thank you so much for all our fans yeah, out there thank you. Um, thank you if you lo- if you like it uh yeah let your friends know it's entirely likely that they probably haven't even started watching yet in which case they've now got 12 episodes of this podcast to help navigate them through all the weirdness and the wonderful stuff that we've seen so far in uh, in twin peace to return thanks everyone see ya bye, bye. You've been listening to Damn Fine Commentary with Dave and Lynch. For the complete list of show notes and all the links, visit our website, daveandlynch.com. And if you like the show, there's two things you can do to really help us out. First, tell all your friends. And second, take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference and helps other people find us. Look, did we miss anything? Do you have a comment, a question or a suggestion? Drop us a line at daveandlynch at gmail.com or you can follow us on your social media of choice. We're at twitter.com slash daveandlynch, facebook.com slash daveandlynch, instagram.com slash daveandlynch. <laughs> yep, you get the picture. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening. <laughs>